doing okay? We, you know, we're glad to be here and glad to be alive. Yes? Well, the other option is you can be dead, but uh, so I think the, you know, to be alive and just here and just absolutely wonderful. If you're a first-time guest, Andy's already extended a warm invitation, but we're just so thrilled that you've made it here today. And those who call this home, it's good to see more and more people calling this place home and a place where you belong and connect, and that's a wonderful thing. Can I just let, let you know, next week we've got a very, very important um, Sunday. Every Sunday is important, but next week we're going to be highlighting uh, 2016, all the great things that have been happening, and Jordan's put a video together as we have done for the last many, many years, and we're just going to be celebrating all that God has done. You know, what you, what you celebrate gets repeated, and oftentimes we don't celebrate enough, but we're going to make sure next week we're going to brag off on you guys. We're going to brag off on Jesus. Yes, we're just going to celebrate the goodness of God. And then in the midst of that, we're also going to be sharing some of the great things that we're just going to believe God for. Visionary into 2017 and beyond. How many of you know that God is not calling us to settle? God is not calling us to remain where we are. You might like where you are at this particular moment, but this is part of the journey. God is moving us on to a journey. What is the next step that you are? God is calling you and, and shouting and encouraging you into. And that's what we're going to talk into a little bit next week. It's been my joy to be able to just take this series and just talk about overflow. And this morning, I want to talk about us overflowing with a sense of vision. I want to really call this uh, this morning, and it's part of two, because this week I'm going to deal with it personally, and next week we're going to look at it corporately. But I want to talk about your passion, your purpose. Look the person next to you and go, your passion, and then the other side, your purpose. Your passion, your purpose. I'm going to be very, very practical this morning. I'd encourage you to take notes or listen to the podcast again because I really have been praying that this message will just help people. As I say, it's a very practical, very simple message, but one that actually I'm not sure many of us really nail. I'm not sure many of us really enter into it in terms of your passion, your purpose. And uh, I want to really just help us this morning into that. What I do want to say is because God wants us to overflow with passion and purpose. He wants us to overflow with vision. But what I really believe, and I felt the Lord just say to me was, there needs to be a replenishment. You know, the thought of replenishment is that thought of we, we, we need to be filled again. We need to be filled again. And some of you need to be filled again with passion and with purpose. Can I hear an amen? There's a replenishment that's going to come as a result of you hearing me over these next 30 minutes. There's going to be a refueling that's going to happen in all of your hearts because some of you have lost your sense of passion and you've lost your direction, so you've lost your purpose, but God wants to bring you into the bullseye of his will. That's why we've got it here. Unfortunately, we've not got any darts, okay? But this is the bullseye of God's will. If you imagine this as being your life, there's something that God is wanting to just speak over your life. There's a bullseye purpose that God has for each and every one of you. But I've realized that many of us don't attain that. Many Christian people don't walk into their passion and into their purpose. They don't walk into the bullseye of God's will. And we want to just this morning look at that together. I don't know whether any of you do Twitter. Give me a wave if you do Twitter. 
Come on, there's more of you than that. Okay, there's some of you. Some of you are thinking, oh, I wish you'd tweet off, you know, this jolly Twitter. And I get that. It's different opinions. I actually don't mind Twitter. I quite like Twitter. Some of the other mediums I'm not as fussed on, but I'll, but I'll do Twitter. And basically, the, the concept of Twitter, for those who don't know, and I'd encourage you, by the way, to, to follow Arena Church. If you thought, well, what is this Twitter? You can get it if you've got a, an iPhone or if you've got a smartphone. You can get an app. You know, that's called Twitter or Ecofon, and you can follow Arena Church. There's a lot of information that goes out around what's happening around the life of the church. But there are some, the whole premise of Twitter was created because you've only got 140 characters to send a message. Now, some of you, that's really difficult because you've only just got started, haven't you, ladies? Oh, sorry, did I just say that out loud? You know, and you, man, you, you, you've only just started, haven't you? 140 characters, is that? that? And, and oftentimes, when, when I've written a, a tweet, it can be sometimes difficult because you're overrunning with the characters and you've got to be very succinct, succinct. You've got to be clear. You've got to be concise because you're trying to communicate a message. I was reading some funny tweets, actually, uh, recently, and I, I wonder if we could just have some of them on the screen. This is one. Yo, girl. Are you a zero APR loan? Because I don't really understand your terms and you keep saying you have no interest. <laughs> this is a message that somebody wants to send. Let's have a look at another one. Honestly, officer, I wouldn't have pulled over had I known you were just going to criticize me. Okay, and the last one. It's impossible to have an okay time on a trampoline. It's either the most fun you've ever had or you go to the hospital. Anybody ever been on a trampoline know what I'm talking about? Communication, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. But there was one who communicated and he communicated very concisely and very succinctly because he was aging. He was an aging leader. There was a man by the name of Paul. He was very prominent in the New Testament in the first century. An incredible Christian leader. Traveled in the known, around the known world and just ventured into places where many of his colleagues hadn't gone. And he was now aging. He was getting on in years. And he had a young protege by the name of Timothy. And Timothy was his son in the faith. He poured his life into Timothy. And Paul was coming to the end, and he was almost like his, his Twitter message. He didn't have much time left. He, he wanted to communicate clearly to this young man who was now pastoring a great church, and he was growing. And he wanted to share the things that he had learned and pass them on. That is part of the generation blessing, guys. If you're aged in years, get down the information, pass it on to others. The good things that have happened to you, the things that you've learned, pass it on. And this is what this great leader Paul was doing. He was passing the information on to Timothy. There were two letters that he actually wrote to him. And, and I actually, just as an aside, I still love receiving encouraging letters and encouraging cards. Please don't send me a letter if it's discouraging or a card if it's discouraging. And by the way, I've had plenty of those over the years. Okay. But I thank God for different guys here who send and, uh, cards and, and, and letters in. I really appreciate those, those kind words. And, and, um, and I particularly love it when it's handwritten. There's something about a handwritten 
card, a handwritten letter that just still means a lot to me. And I understand there's a renaissance now coming back of sending letters. None of this email junk. There's now, we're actually beginning to send, you know, letters out again. And there was two letters that Paul wrote to Timothy. They were called pastoral letters. And they were explicit and complete instructions. Because what he was wanting to communicate to him was, Timothy, this is how you need to structure your leadership. He talked about the organization of the entire Bible. Includes sections on appropriate conduct in worship gatherings like we've had today. There's instructions in the Bible about how we should do that and what we should do. There's a definite list of qualifications of those who desire to be an elder or to be a leader. We was reflecting on them at our elders gathering on Monday night. I read a list quite sobering to the guys, of what we are called to live by. And then there was the proper order of church discipline because Paul knew that there was at times going to be difficulties in a church and you had to deal with discipline correctly and rightly and wisely because otherwise you have chaos. Can I hear you know, some reaction there? If, 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 if we just say, eh, you can just do what you want, it's a free-for-all. It was mentioned again on Monday. You know, it's our church leadership. There's particular behaviors that we live by in this church. And that they make homes work. And they make churches work. They make organizations work. And Paul spoke into these things. But he also, and this is where I want to get to, he also just identified two very important principles. Because in the last chapter of 1 Timothy in chapter 6, and we'll see it in a moment come on the screen he gave us two warnings. Gave us two warnings. And the warnings were about a problem, two things, with people who were distorting the Bible to fit in with what they believed. So they basically had a philosophy and then they just made the Bible work according to what they believed. And he says, please don't listen to those people. The Bible is clear. The scriptures are clear. And then he also addressed the whole issue to do with the love of money. It's interesting that the whole thing of distortion and the love of money, similar issues to what we have today, similar issues in the world, similar issues in the church. He was talking about people who propagate a theology influenced by culture and popular opinion, while others were still preaching a message of law and religious opinion that was birthed from hatred and bitterness. But then he was talking about, as I say, about the wealth and he says this, possessions and pleasures. It states that the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money itself, the love of money. An interest in his language, we're not going to open this up today, is the root, it's the gateway to all evil. It's true. My kids have often said to me, why is this terrorism happening, Dad, around the world? It's got nothing to do with religious beliefs or practice. It's, got everything. it's rooted in money. It's rooted in power. It's rooted in gain. That's what it's rooted in. Don't be, don't be disillusioned by that. When anybody's trying to seek control, any governments, it's always rooted in money, power. And it's the root of all kinds of evil. And Paul actually says, some wonder from this truth and faith are now afflicted with many griefs. But he tells Timothy to flee from all of this, to flee from the love of money, to flee from the distortion of the Bible. But then he goes on to say the following. I wonder if we could turn to 1 Timothy 6, verse 17 and 19. Because in these two verses, he really talks to me about passion and purpose. 
Because he says this, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. But to put their hope in God. Just look up for a moment. But to put their hope in God. There's ever a message that needs to be preached at this particular time. This is it. Put your hope in God. If you're putting your hope, you're a first-time guest, in your wealth, in your possessions, it's, I'm telling you, it's so shaky. Put your hope in God. We have an unshakable God. We have an unshakable faith. He is one who is dependable and trustworthy. And is alluded to him, mentioned him, confessed him, declared him. His name's Jesus. He is dependable and trustworthy. But then he goes on to say this to this uh, young leader. He says, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So he says, those who are rich, not to be arrogant, to put your hope in God, but he gives us everything for our enjoyment. Then he goes on to say, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I've just got three things that I want to say this morning about your passion and your purpose. But before I get to the passion and the purpose, I want to just take this text as my basis for the message this morning, if that's okay. Because I think it's really important that we understand these words that he was passing on to a younger leader, and we're now passing to the church. He says this, first of all, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Let me just make a comment here. This message is for us. If you're on benefits this morning, I still want to say something to you. You are rich. If you're only earning £10,000, £6,000, you're rich. If you're earning £30,000, I'll mention that in a moment, you're very rich. We here are very, very rich in this country. You don't have to travel to North America. They don't have health care. We had an issue with Isaac whilst we was away, and he's just with his eye. His eye started to play up, and we went to try to get something for his eye. They says, oh, no, we can't give you anything for his eye. You've got to go to the doctors, $150, to just get a prescription, which we knew what it was, just to get some drops in his eyes. That's, that's what's happening over there. And if you go to other parts of the world, India, Asia, Africa, And in other parts of the world, we don't have the same level of medical care that we have here. So please can I encourage us to honor the NHS, to thank God for the NHS, to cherish the NHS. I'm not being political, I'm just making statements that I think are really important. We are very rich in this country. You know, this two pounds that I've got here, you know, uh, you can go and buy a cup of coffee. It won't even get you two Cokes. It certainly won't get you a meal. It might get you a sandwich. And we just throw this two pound around time and time again. But this, I just want to break the point down a little bit further for those who are struggling even with that statement that I've just made, made about us being rich. Because the point is this. We are richer than we realize. Because if you have two pound coin, there are over three billion people who work all day long today to earn less than what I've just put in a coffee or put in a Coke. 
I'll say that again because I think it's really important that we understand we are richer than we realize we are rich. Command those who are rich not to be arrogant. If you have two pounds on you, you, are, you have as much money as some people are earning a day. Over three billion people earn less than two pounds a day. If you have an average salary of 20,000, you may say, well, that's not a lot in this t- today's world and this economy. I-, I think you're probably right in saying that. But let me just help us to understand again where this is at. If we are on 25,000 a year collectively in our salaries, then you are in the top 4% of wage earners alive today. 4%. If you earn over 30,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of all people who are earning money today. I knew it'd go quiet at this point, and I'm glad it has. Because we are richer than we realize. Therefore, if we are richer than we realize, because we read this and immediately when we said, consider those who are rich, command those who are rich not to be arrogant. How do, how, where, where, where did you go there when you read that? Was you thinking about Bill Gates? Was you thinking about Richard Branson? Was you thinking about, who were you thinking about? Donald Trump? Who, who were you thinking? Bill Gates. But actually he's talking to us. Because we are richer than we realize. And with riches, with wealth, comes, listen to me, this is a oof for your notes. With riches comes responsibility. And if we're going to live with passion and purpose, we need to handle our wealth and our resource incredibly well. We need to stop saying like, I wish I had more, because we need to appreciate what we've got. We need to stop saying... We need to stop saying, well, I'd love to be able to do what they're doing, but I can't do it because I've not got money. And just say, God, thank you for what I do have. We are richer than we realize. But then Paul, because I had to address that because it's part of the text. Because then he goes on to say this. So let's go back to it, shall we? Just for a moment, if we can. 1 Timothy 6, verse 17 to 19. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So not only are we richer than we realize, secondly, we need to passionately enjoy the pursuits that replenish us. This is the passion. This is the passion now. Because you've got to read it there in the context of these verses. He's saying you've got to understand the riches that you have. Let's not be arrogant. Put your hope in God. But, Christian. But, Louise. But, Joy. But, Bethany. I have given you these things so you can now enjoy. You see, I don't know about you, but I was brought up that enjoyment was a dirty word. You're not allowed to enjoy. And I'm talking about holy pursuits. I'm not talking about unholy pursuits. 
Because he says that he has provided everything for our enjoyment. And there are some things that God has given to us that we should passionately enjoy. And they're the pursuits, the passions that replenish us. There are many wonderful things that God has created. He's created music, film, storytelling, arts, sports, literature. And yet the church have said to us that we need to keep away from those things because they're horrible and unholy and impure. And it's completely untrue. Those things were created by God. There, it's like the people say the internet. The internet is a bad thing. The internet is not a bad thing. It can be used bad. Hello? This, we're all adults here. Sex is not a bad thing. Sex is a wonderful thing. But there are people who pervert sex with children, with one another, and with other things. Sex is a wonderful thing that God has created. There are some wonderful things that God has created and has given to us as gifts. And he says, go and passionately, in a holy way, enjoy them. This is where I want to talk about, you know, how we overflow with passion. Because what provides me with enjoyment? What fills my tank? What do I love to do? These are questions. What would I love to do? See, God wants you to enjoy this life. God is not a killjoy. He is not a pleasure stealer. It's just simply not true. But we need to get a vision of how I can make the most of this life. One of the things that I do very practically is that we as a family just decide what we would like to do. And what we did, we haven't quite got there yet this, this month, but we will do. Last year, we just had a list of some things that we'd like to do. We took that from Habakkuk in chapter 2 and verse 2, because the Lord said, and this is where people over-spiritualize it, but the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets. Then he, who, who, then he may run who reads it. For the vision is not yet for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak and it will not lie. The point is this. Get a vision and write it down. Get a vision. Get a dream. Get some thought in your heart of what you'd like to do. And begin to write a list. Let me ask you a question this morning. What do you want to do differently this year? Where would you like to go? What do you want to see? Some people call them bucket lists. I know there was a film called The Bucket List with Jack Nicholson in, in, involved in it. And, you know, people were just listing down what they'd like to do. And some people would look on and say, that's unholy. I don't think it is. I think it's God just giving us some passion, holy passions in our hearts. And what I've realized is those, un, those holy passions in our hearts replenish our souls. They bring energy to our souls. They replenish us so that we can begin to overflow with purpose. You might be here and you say, well, I'd love to climb a mountain. Well, go do it. What's stopping you? I'm not joining you, but you go and do it. Some say, I want to swim with the dolphins. Again, God bless you. You go and enjoy it. Go and swim with the dolphins. Some people want to visit this place. We carry pursuits in our hearts. And God is saying to us today, listen, I want you to passionately enjoy the pursuits that replenish you. So go and do them. Don't be people who just say, oh, well, I'd love to do it and never do it. Go and do it. I know they won't mind me saying this. I know they won't. But Neil and Anne's heads in a thing like this. A number of years ago, I said to them, just had a conversation with them, and I said to them, guys, you've got a little bit of money. Go and blow it. 
Go and go on a holiday. Go to the place where you want to go. Go and do something with what you've got. And they went and booked a holiday and went to, to the Northern Lights, didn't you? And went and saw that and wonderful things. Because some people need stirring a little bit. They were almost, I had to stir them a little bit. Who else is on my radar? Who do I need to stir? Seriously, some of us, we have no problem with that stuff. Some of us, we have more of a problem. Because we've bought the lie that God doesn't want us to enjoy this life. This life is for living. This life is for living. This life is for enjoying. There's a passion. We've got a lady at Mansfield and she wanted to go to, you know, I think the furthest she'd been is Skegness and she hears a message about living out of the box and just going for God. And she books a holiday. I mean, crazy. Booked a holiday to go to Australia. She's never been to Skag, never mind anywhere else. Glennis had led her to Jesus through the shop. And this wonderful, this lady now, the different demeanor in her, she's, she's getting free. It's just a wonderful, wonderful. Are you hearing me today? So what we have to do, we have to get a vision. How I do it is I'd put it under headings. For those who have notes, relationships, family, first heading. Get a list. What, what have I passionately want to do? Secondly, Hobbies and pursuits. And please don't put down here. Now, you know the, the young guys know. If they want to wind me off, they want to get me, so they have to pull me off the ceiling. Don't talk to me about the Playstations and the Xboxes and the FIFA and all that. It does my not. I don't mind you doing it on occasions, but don't live your life around your FIFA. Hello? And anybody said? There's, oh, Okay. What are the passions and visions for your work? What about your purpose? What am I talking about? I'm talking about, if I can say this very quickly, we're talking about creating memories. We're talking about, we're talking about building traditions. We're talking about things that will fuel us and will replenish us. If I can say this, it's in my notes. I thought about it. You guys afford me the opportunity and my family three weeks off in October. I know that's a big ass. Some pastors go, really? Three weeks? Wow, that's a long time. Thank you so much. I say every year to you, thank you so much because you will have no idea how much that holiday replenishes us and fuels us. We have enough juice then to get us through. It's not that we're running from one holiday to the next, but I want to say ministry and work is very demanding. There's lots of demands that are on your time and your energy and your thought and your prayer. And there's just a spiritual dynamic. And that time away replenishes our souls. They say, why is the same place? Because it's hot. It's nothing to do with Mickey Mouse. We guaranteed the weather. We have a pool. When we get out there, it's relatively cheap. We don't eat out all the time. We're careful with our budgets. And we just have an awesome time as a family. Thank you so much. For affording us the opportunity, it replenishes us. And if I can say this, you have a better leader for it. You have a better leader for it. Listen, if you can't figure out your purpose, figure out your passion. For your passion will lead you right into your purpose. So we see Paul says, everything for your enjoyment. But then he goes on to say this. Command them to do good. Let's go back to the text in verse 9, 19. Command them to do good. Everybody say, do good. I'll read that again. Command them to do good. To be rich in good deeds. To be rich in good deeds. 
and to be generous and willing to share. Hear the language. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. Not only does God say to us, you are richer than you realize. Not only does he say, passionately enjoy the pursuits that replenish you and get your list and write it down and make it clear. He now says, listen, there's a purpose because I want you to intentionally serve with what you have been given. He's basically saying what you've got, now share it with others. He says, do good, rich in good deeds, be generous, willing to serve. You know, you'll never live a full life if you're just living it for yourself. That's just selfish. God's blessed you with resource. Don't just keep it to yourself. Let others enjoy it. God's blessed you with food. Share it. A meal's always better with others, yeah? You see, some people don't understand what is my purpose. They don't know what it is. So what to do? They're tempted to look on to see what others do. But we have to look at what I am gifted to do. What am I gifted to do? Where are my passions? Because that will lead you to your purpose. And do the things that feed your soul and not your ego. And then you'll be happy. We have to live with intentionality. We've got to live on purpose. Part of what we do with Growth Track. Andy mentioned it. Sunday the 5th. We have our next Growth Track. Many of you have gone through it. Some of you have just done one week or two weeks. And I just encourage you to come. And let me be clear. It's not a new Christians course. This is a course, for a, a track for all of us in the life of the church. We went through it in America and it was just inspired by it. Because all it's doing is it's taking people onto the next step. So if you don't know God and you want to know more about God, we'd encourage you to come on. If you want to find freedom... And know how to get free from all the mess. We'll just talk to you about that. And go through that next step. If you want to discover your purpose. Then we'd encourage you to get on. If you want to then go and make a difference. We'd encourage you to come on. Growth track is for everybody. We want to encourage everybody to live with a sense of purpose. You know. There's so much defeat. Depression. Frustration. And anxiety. Because it comes out of comparison and comparing and not because we're living out of purpose. I love what the Apostle Paul says. He says this in 1 Corinthians 4. For who do you know that really knows you, knows your heart? And even if they did, is there anything they would discover in you that you could take credit for? Listen, isn't everything you have... And everything you are, sheer gifts from God. So what's the point of all this comparing and competing? Listen, the whole heart of Arena Church and Overflow with Vision is that you will understand your passions, those holy pursuits that God has impassioned you with, different to somebody else, and they will replenish your heart. But then you will understand your sense of purpose Not living out of somebody else's dream, out of yours. What has God gifted you with? What is God asking you to do? And we're wanting people to overflow with vision and with purpose. We don't want people serving out of duty. We're wanting people serving out of of passion. And listen, your passion, 
your purpose will always involve others. So here's a thought that I have as we just draw into a close. And in a moment, I'm just going to show you a five-minute video, and then I'm going to wrap up. But here's a thought that I want to say to you. What I am, I share. What I have, I share. I'll say that again. What I am, I share. What I have, I share. Because we want to fuel a sense of vision, a sense of passion, a sense of purpose in the life of this church. We don't just want it for this church. We have a vision for this church. My pastoral heart this morning is to fuel it for you. I hope you understand that. I'm not talking about the church. For you. What is God wanting you to do? How can we bless you? How can we serve you? How can we help you? And then how you can help and serve and bless others. How you can enjoy this world. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? How you can enjoy this world, this life that God has created in you. And then you go and do that. But what happens is as you are replenished, you will overflow and bless others. A bit of a hero of mine. I've never met him. He's now 80. You're going to see a video. It's five minutes. Just give me five. And uh, he's now 80. He pastors in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. He's part of our stream assemblies of God. And uh, I just heard this message. I was so blessed by it. And here's a man who really does live out a sense of passion and purpose. I wonder if we could run the video and then I'll come back and sum up at the end. Thank you. Who served very faithful. And now after a year of service, she was going back home. She was surprised when they bumped her from coach up to first class. She didn't know why. But she found herself sitting by a man in his 60s. Later she found out he was a Jewish man who lived in London. It was probably worth near a billion dollars. They talked and she told of her experience at the Dream Center and a tear came in his eyes. He said, that sounds like a place I need to go visit. So she arranged a tour. As I took him through the tour that day, he was greatly moved. We went to the service immediately from the tour and that night when I gave the invitation, a man came forward and weeping and crying, accepted Jesus Christ. He was so on fire for God. He would fly once a month from London to L.A. to attend his church. And we can't get some people across the street. Amen. (laughs) One day he texted me and said, I want to talk to you before church tonight. I thought, boy, if that guy can fly that far to church, the least I can do is to meet with him. So before church, he said, Pastor, I saw a movie And I thought about you when I saw it. It's called The Bucket List. (laughs) He said, Pastor, he told me the story. It's two men. They're dying with cancer. They're in the same hospital room. One's rich and one is very poor. They're depressed. When one day the rich man comes in and he sees a piece of legal pad that is wadded up. He said, what's this? And he picks it up and opens it up. Across the top it said, Bucket List. And then it said, jump out of an airplane, climb the Himalayas, swim with the sharks, kiss the most beautiful girl in the world. And he said to the poor man, what is this? He said, well, that was the things I wanted to do. 
before I kick the bucket, before I die. And the rich man is played by Mickelson, and he got that smile and said, what are you talking about? I got the money. I got the jets. We're going to live at least one more year, they say. Let's do your bucket list. And the rest of that movie is about those two old codgers jumping out of airplane. Swimming with the sharks, trying to climb the head, and trying to kiss the most beautiful girl in the world. He said, Pastor, when I saw this movie, I thought of you. He said, I've got the jets. I've got all the money in the world. Money is no object. I want you to make a list of your bucket list. Anything you want to do, money's no object. And you and I'll do it, but don't wait too long because we're getting older. Let's do your bucket list. I promised him I would do it. What do you do when a man gives you an opportunity to do anything, no money, nothing barred? So I sat down with a legal pad. I put bucket lists, and I thought, what do I want to do? And I thought, and I said, I don't want to jump out of an airplane. <laughs> the Bible said, lo, I am with you all <laughs> to drive a race car. It's bad enough driving with my wife. Amen. <laughs> and I've already kissed the most beautiful girl in the world. If I kill a, kiss another one, she'll kill me. Amen. <laughs> and I thought. And I thought. And I thought. And for the life of me, I couldn't think of anything I'd rather do then rescue another little girl from human trafficking and take her to the dream center, then feeding another hungry child, then taking a homeless family, sleeping in their car off of the street, then reaching out to another gang member or drug addict or someone dying with AIDS. And I bowed my head and I prayed, oh God, if I get too old to do this, if my mind is not strong enough and my body's too weak and I can't preach the gospel and do what I'm doing, God, I pray that you'll just take me on to heaven. Because what is there to live for if you can't serve your generation while you're here in the will of God? May we overflow with vision. May we understand that what God has given you, you are rich. But with riches comes responsibility. May we understand today that God has given us things for our enjoyment that replenish us, that invigorate us. May we not use those selfishly though. May we use them to springboard us into our purpose. And may we intentionally serve others. I wonder if we bow our heads.